0: Welcome back to the Path of Longevity show, and I'm your host, Dr. Robert Lufkin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Stephen Sideroff. Much of modern medicine is focused on the pharmaceuticals and the biochemical basis for our diseases and aging. Today, we look at something that doesn't get nearly enough attention, the role that electromagnetism plays in our health, and in particular, how pulsed electromagnetic fields can affect aging. William Pollack, MD, is a leading authority on the use of this technology. He's a holistic physician who has had previous academic positions at Johns Hopkins University and the University of Maryland. He has two books on the subject and is also the co-host of a two-hour holistic radio program. Bill, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much, Rob. How are you doing today?
0: Great! I'm I'm so excited to uh, talk about this fascinating area. But before we before we really dive into it, maybe you could just take a, a couple moments and tell us how you came to be so interested in this fascinating area.
1: Basically, as a conventional doctor, uh, way back when I don't want to say how long ago that was, but way back when I um, I was a medical director for a group. A, a medical practice of about 14 family physicians, and we shared patients at the hospital. Uh, so uh, over the space of about three or four days, we had two admissions to the hospital with people with GI bleeding. One of them almost died. And the common factor for both of them was was ibuprofen. That was the cause of their GI bleeding. So after that happened, I mean, I obviously had prescribed it Considerably myself in that day. That was back. I'm gonna, okay. I'm going to reveal it now. Back in the 80s. <laughs> so, so I said, this is this is insanity. This is the definition of insanity in a slightly different way. It's doing the same thing over and over again, not expecting bad results, not expecting side effects or complications. So I said, this is crazy medicine. You know, we're killing, potentially killing people, to solve their pain problems. Their pain problems are not going to kill them, but we, with our treatments, we could potentially have somebody die on our watch. So I said, what can I do that's different than what we've been doing all along? All my consultants are the same. They offer the same solutions. The hospital offers the same solutions. My peers offer the same solutions. So I said, I have to go outside the box. I can't do this anymore. Or at least I have to find some other solutions as well. So I studied acupuncture. And I finished my acupuncture training, and I wanted to do uh, acupuncture in my practice. And all of a sudden, people said, "No, stay away from me. Stay away from me with those needles." Right. Besides, they didn't know about acupuncture. Madonna hadn't appeared on in a movie yet with acupuncture needles all up and down her back, so it it got known then, right? So I said, I got to do something that could do acupuncture without using needles. And so I learned about magnets in the Orient, and that they were using magnets on acupuncture points. So I started using magnets on acupuncture points and discovered while i was doing that that the magnets did other things other than acupuncture i'll give an example i had a um i was going to be reading on my uh, back patio and i looked down on my leg i I felt an itch and there was a a quarter-sized lesion on my lower lower leg it looked like to me having seen many of these in the past looked like a spider bite so i put a magnet on the spider bite and then i then i started reading so about three hours later, I looked down, gone, gone. And you know, you and I know that a spider bite, the lesion can, once it gets going, can last a couple of weeks before it's fully healed. So it has gone in three hours. Now light, light bulbs start to go off, alarms go off. And so what's going on here with this therapy? So I started doing a lot of research and investigation about what magnets were doing in the body. And most of that literature was buried in the Eastern European culture and East, Eastern European journals in Cyrillic, in the Cyrillic alphabet. And also very obscure journals that you wouldn't see in the light of day in, in the West. Or if they're on PubMed, they have a, a bracketed abstract saying it's foreign language. So I, along the way, I met I, an MD-PhD uh, from the Czech Republic. And he had, uh, for his Ph.D. program, he translated a lot of that literature in Eastern Europe. And um, so he offered me his manuscript. So I went through the manuscript, revised it, published a book called Magnetic Therapy in Eastern Europe, a Review of 30 Years of Research. And this was 20 years ago. So already it was 50 years old. The science in Eastern Europe was already established. And that book, that manuscript showed all the clinical studies that we don't have access to in the, in the West. Bang. I mean, it just lit up now. Now we have um, mechanisms, we have actions, we have clinical results from studies in Eastern Europe. Some, A lot of them were controlled. They weren't all placebo-controlled, but they were often controlled. So, like, this was a wide open. It just opened the door. just flew the doors wide open. So I started working extensively with, with magnetic fields. And I've been working with magnetic fields now for about 30 years adding it to everything else. And that's one of the key things about PMF therapies is it's not a, it can be a standalone therapy, but you know, you don't build a house without bricks and mortar. You can have all the tools, you can have all the plans, you can have everything else, but if you don't have the bricks and mortar, you can't build the house. So PMF therapy is the power tools that you use for the house. That's why my first book is called Power Tools for Health. Hmm. So you use the power tools, but you need the bricks and the mortar. So you can't, you can build a house a lot better, faster, with power tools that you can by letting nature take its course. So if you want to build bone, you need the nutrients to build bone. If you want to repair tissue, you need the proteins and all the other uh, n- nutrients that you need to build the tissue, to rebuild tissue. So that's the sort of the genesis behind my uh, going with PMF therapies.
0: That, that's fascinating. The, the it, It's interesting that you, you started with acupuncture and then went in there and And I remember the with acupuncture, the whole the theory of energy meridians and and whatnot. Um, does the as we get into this, but does the PEMF uh work through similar mechanisms with energy meridians? Um, as acupuncture, Uh, yes, yes, and no, I think that's one of the key
1: elements underlying PMF therapy is that it's stimulating all the acupuncture points and meridians. And we tested this. And now there's a pretty robust science showing how uh, the the meridian system is an an electrical system. It's a DC current system. And because it's DC current, it's subject to all the laws of physics relative to electromagnetics. So if you apply a, a magnet to a current, a flowing current, you can induce or to a wire Uh, You can actually produce energy, you can produce charge in that wire, Faraday's law. So those experiments were done in the 1800s. So that science is pretty well established. So PMF therapy interacts with the acupuncture system, but it does a lot more than that. So in my first book, uh, my second book, actually, the Power Tools book, I outline about 25 different actions of magnetic fields and provide scientific references to support those actions. So there is a lot more going on than that acupuncture system. But if you have an acupuncture process going on underneath anything else you're doing with it, hey, that's a bonus.
0: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, before we we dive into this area and get into these these interesting details, maybe you could just take a moment and tell us um, for our audience who may not be familiar with this, what is an electromagnetic field and uh, how does it work?
1: So maybe one way to talk about that is an elephant that's in the room, and that's EMFs, and everybody's worried about EMFs, and aren't electromagnetic fields the same, all of them the same? And the answer is no. So the magnetic fields that we're using for therapy are very different than EMFs, which actually I call environmental magnetic fields, but they're electromagnetic fields that are essentially environmentally based. So there's two ways of producing a magnetic field. Well, three ways. One is a static magnet, the fridge magnets. That's not a time varying, that's not a field that's in motion. So fields in motion are much more dynamic than a field that is static, that's just sitting there. So the two types of uh, uh, PMFs or EMFs that are in motion are the, env- the uh, microwave EMFs. So r- radar, television, radio, they're broadcast into the environment. They just keep going, they don't stop. That's called open loop. And then when you, when you t- pass a current through a wire, automatically, through laws of physics, Maxwell's equations, you generate a perpendicular magnetic field around that wire, the flow of current in the wire. And that's called the right-hand rule. So my thumb is the current flowing through the wire, and so the magnetic field around that is my my fingers, and they're perpendicular in a clockwise fashion. So what happens then, every time the current pulses, you produce a magnetic field. So this magnetic field goes out and calls back comes back in again goes out comes back in again with every pulse it goes out and comes back in so it's a closed loop it's a magnetic field that's in the coil it doesn't go out into space and, and, and the environment therefore it doesn't really have a wavelength the magnetic fields that go into the environment have wavelengths like ripples in in a, in, in a pond and those wavelengths uh, have they, they're based on the frequency of the wavelengths So microwaves basically are high frequency. They're broadcast in the environment. They're very high frequency. And as a result, they get absorbed by the body. That's the principle behind a microwave oven. You heat things because you're you're projecting microwaves in a closed space, but it causes heating. So heating causes damage. And then the electrical uh, microwave itself can cause genetic instability, can cause genetic damage in, in addition to the heating. So that's open way, open source, open loop magnetic fields They're, that can be harmful to the body. It depends on the degree of exposure. It depends on the microwave, the nature of the microwaves, et cetera. So pulse magnetic fields are extraordinarily safe. And we have huge examples of, of uh, PEMFs in medicine that are FDA approved. Who doesn't know about MRI? That's magnetic. So that's used for diagnostic purposes. And now we also have devices that are approved by the FDA for treatment-resistant depression called TMS, (transcranial magnetic stimulation, where you, where you put a magnet up against the, the brain or the head to create currents in the body, in the brain, that then heat reset the brain for uh, depression. So that, that's extraordinarily safe. So we know about those kinds of fields. There are lots of FDA-approved fields as well for bone healing. The bone healing magnetic therapy has been out in the environment now, Uh, approved by the FDA for about 25 to 30 years. So if you take a fracture that won't heal after six months, it's called a non-union. If you take that non-union fracture, even though it's been there for say six or seven years, it's been a non-union for six or seven years, all of a sudden you start stimulating that tissue with all the mechanisms of action we described. And bingo, in three to six months, you've healed that non-union. Otherwise, you subject it to surgery, you do all kinds of invasive procedures, which don't always work. They often fail on their own. But magnetic field therapy, very routinely, I would say probably it's about 80 to 90% successful, will uh, heal that non-union fracture. So we have uh, lots of examples of safety and effectiveness of use of pulse magnetic fields versus the EMFs.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's so many Interesting possibilities there. I, I have to wonder why is it that medicine is so focused on uh, biochemistry and drug development? And in, in medical school, I can think of only, you know, the a couple things you mentioned that even that that use uh, electromagnetism or, you know, like EEG, electroencephalogram or electrocardiogram or those applications you mentioned. Why, why is the bias towards uh, biochemical drug development instead of why aren't there more applications for, for EMF or have we, have we exhausted, are, are they, they're just those few and that's it?
1: A lot of that has to do with legacy. So at the turn of the 20th century, electrical therapies, electromagnetic therapies were extraordinarily common. There's something called the uh, Pellegrino Report and the Millis Commission and so on, where the medical schools in this country essentially came down like a ton of bricks on the community that was doing all this therapy. And the medical schools at that time were, in quotes, scientifically based. But what was most of the science in medical school at the time? Pharmacy, pharmacology, and the biochemistry was well established. There was lots of money in it. And because there was lots of money in it, there were endowed chairs at universities you know, et so they they built up a rep they built up the capacity to do a significant amount of research and all of that research was essentially pharmaceutical pharmacologic so essentially they completely suppressed that other aspect that was already growing significantly in the community and so in medical schools all they could teach was um electromagnetic therapy or electrical therapies in physical therapy part of the curriculum the only people who could do it and you could teach about it or talk about it was a physical, physical therapist, and that was one course. That was probably one hour in a course in a curriculum of you know four thousand hours of teaching.
0: I see. So how do you
1: how do you think magnetic therapy got basically sidelined? But fortunately, we have the science now. We have a lot more science than we ever did back then. A lot of it was hearsay. A lot of it was you know quotes sham. Uh, it was fraudulent, uh, et cetera. Now some of it was fraudulent. Some of it wasn't. But we lost that legacy of that history. We just completely sidelined it because of the economic interests and the, uh, well, let's see, authoritarian interests of medical schools. I
0: see. I see. You, you mentioned before TMS is a, a transcranial magnetic stimulation. It's an approved treatment for depression, as you mentioned. Um, is I, w- I wasn't clear. Is that an application of PEMF or or, or is, that a, is that the same as a PEMF just applied yes. to the head then?
1: Yes, it's two coils basically that are applied to the side of the head. And those two coils that stimulate, uh, again, the magnetic fields and they interact with the neurons, which are flowing current themselves, right? And you have all the ions and everything else inside inside the brain. So that generates charge and energy. That 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 was actually a transition from something called ECT, convulsive therapies. Well, convulsive therapy, if you've ever been in a convulsive therapy session, this is pretty barbaric. It's electrocuting somebody, right? And trying to save them from having a heart attack or breaking bones. So ECT, then this is to replace ECT much safer and about as effective um, as that. So it's it's really taking off now significantly,
0: that use. Is there a common um, underlying mechanism for the effects of the pulsed electromagnetic uh, fields on the body? In other words, um, for, for TMS, how do, what is the mechanism? that? How do the electromagnetic fields uh, reduce depression?
1: So, so basically, again, as a reset, electrical reset for the brain, taking off from ECT, but... It, that doesn't matter, even though that's the mechanism, and that's what everybody focuses on. So people who do ECT basically just follow the the book, read the manual, and they don't think about why and how and whether it can be used for other things. But clearly, there are people using it for a lot of other things besides depression. And the same thing applies to uh, a lot of things we do in medicine, including the bone healing devices. The doctors who prescribe those just say, this is what the FDA said I can do. This is what it's going to do, and that's all I'm going to think about. But they don't understand the mechanism and they don't understand all the other sort of aspects of electromagnetic therapies and how you could extend it off label way beyond the FDA approved indications. So every pulse of a magnetic field into the body is creating charge in the body. There's essentially two sets of mechanisms going on with magnetic fields, basic actions. One is the frequency aspect of it and the other is the electrical aspect. As a magnetic field passes into the tissues of the body, based on Faraday's law, it generates a current. It generates charge because every tissue of the body, every cell in the body is all electrolytes. I say the body is basically a bag of electrolytes. It's not even saline. It's electrolytes. So we are an electrolyte soup. And because it's electrolytes, those charges are constantly moving. So we have 100,000 biochemical processes per second in our cells and our bodies. So that's a lot of dynamic movement. A lot of that is electro, electrolytically, electrochemically, and electromagnetically driven. So when you, when you uh, increase uh, the energy of the tissues, now the tissues have more energy to do healing work. So how does a non union, how does a non union happen in the first place? It happens because there's not enough healing energy to finish the job of healing that fracture. So normally, they'll heal in a certain period of time. We know this. We see this all the time. 12 weeks or so, you're basically taking the cast off and now you night go going about your business. But it takes up to two years for a bone to be fully healed. If you keep repeating x-rays, if you keep doing CT scans or MRIs, you'll see that that fracture site is still there. It takes a long time. And you need all the nutrients. You need all the energy in the tissues to be able to finish the job of healing. And that's what magnetic field therapy for the fracture does. All of a sudden, it's causing the tissue to produce more energy. Having more energy, now all, all sorts of biochemical processes begin cascading.
0: So the 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 common the theme is that the this uh pulse electromagnetic fields add energy to the tissue and that can help bone healing, or in the case of depression, somehow that added energy helps. Is there is there a downside to that? Like if I have a uh Malignancy, a cancer. I don't want to add energy to that tissue. Is that a danger there, or what are the what are the potential things we need to worry about?
1: No, so I do a, I do deal with cancer a lot with PMF therapies, and there's a, a reasonable literature growing about how PMFs can be used in the setting of cancer. We know that there are studies that show that PMF therapy can increase the value and utility of chemo. So chemo, the effects or benefits of chemo can actually be doubled and the side effects for the chemo are actually lessened as well. So with cancers, you may be able to temporarily increase the blood supply of a cancer with field with therapy, because it increases circulation. All circulation, hands, feet, brain, et cetera, all of that increases with PMF stimulation because of its actions on nitric oxide in the body. But so at one point, the cancer tumor may like, the circulation may increase in volume because of the circulation, but you're now flooding it with oxidative stress.
0: I see. And just yeah. don't like that. So, so a common mechanism. One common mechanism is uh, increased nitric oxide uh, and all the benefits that it has throughout the body for for inflammation and, and uh, immune reaction, brain function, as well as yeah.
1: circulation, improving circulation, etc. So yes, nitric oxide is a common mechanism. One of the first things you see with magnetic field therapies is increased circulation. You can clearly see that right away. But okay. it also does inflammation, but it does inflammation through other mechanisms. So if you read Power Tools for Health or the new book, Supercharge Your Health, I describe the different actions. So because there are 25 different actions, I can't dial them. I say, here, I'm gonna give you a non-specific stimulus, a magnetic field stimulus into the tissues. The body increases the energy, increases charge in those tissues, wakes up the cell membranes, gets the charge equilibrating across the cell membrane now as it becomes more normalized. And so then this the body does whatever it wants with that energy. Circulation, decreasing edema, um, decreasing inflammation, increasing stem cells, uh, increasing DNA, uh, RNA production, growth factor stimulation. All of these things are happening sort of at once but the body will decide of all the different mechanisms, the body decide which mechanisms it's going to use first. What does it need first? What does it react with the best fastest? And the body decides that. Fortunately, again, because it's so safe, I would rather leave it to the body than to try to figure out being as smart as I am, in quotes. I'd rather not try to figure it out myself. I'd rather give it to the body, let the body do deal with it,
0: right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, before we dive into more of the specific applications, just as a general uh, point, uh, are there any contraindications for it or any patients that should avoid this?
1: So there used to be a legacy of contraindications having to do with pacemakers or implanted electronics. Uh, Pregnancy is a uh, ubiquitous uh, contraindication because we don't have the proof that it's safe in pregnancy. Uh, However, I have plenty of experience of women who've been using magnetic field therapies, get pregnant, and then keep using the magnetic therapies through their pregnancies, breeze through their pregnancies. Women working in MRI units get pregnant, and they keep working in those units. And there's no no significant history of any major uh, problems or complications, even in pregnancy. Implant electronics. So 20 years ago, implanted electronics were a problem. But now most of the companies who are making implanted electronics make them MR conditional. In other words, you can use, you can um, go into an MRI machine even with those pacemakers and defibrillators. Hmm. So what you have to do is verify that it is MR conditional. If it is, you're safe. Implanted metal is another concern that people have and that's a contraindication in, um, with um, uh, MRIs. But um, we don't, we're not at that level of intensity as an MRI machine. An MRI machine gets up to 10,000 10, Gauss or 20,000 Gauss, 10, one Tesla, two Tesla. Most of the PMF systems we use are under a Tesla. So you don't really have that, that issue. You just have to be careful. Like any other therapy, you, know, you got to know your patient. You got to know the process you're dealing with. You have to know your technology. And then you just be, be careful how you introduce it. And I call that going low and slow. So if you go low and slow, you maintain those contraindications. The only absolute contraindication I have left, basically, out of the legions of ones that people used to say 10 years ago, 20 years ago, is transplants. And there's no evidence that PMFs are safe in transplants. Because what you're doing with transplants is you're doing immunosuppression. And magnetic field therapy stimulates the immune system. It can increase it or it can decrease it. It can do both. Depending on the circumstances, so you don't want to mess with something that if you st- if you trick the immune system a bit tip it a bit too much in the wrong direction, you have a problem with the transplant. So I I, I basically say no transplants, even corneal transplants.
0: Okay, so any transplant, and then you mentioned before that uh, it is FDA approved for trans cranial uh TMS for for depression and also for bone healing you mentioned uh, bone
1: healing pain relief and edema reduction these are FDA approved indications
0: also and then once once a device is uh shown to be safe by the FDA and approved for one application as as we've talked about before then it's possible to use what's called off label for other other applications throughout the body uh, depending right. on on what they are um, Let's let's take a moment here and and talk about longevity. And because there's some fascinating applications of this technology to longevity, before we before we dive in, could you take a moment and just tell us uh, kind of your working definition of longevity? What is longevity? Why do we age? Because everybody everybody seems to look at it from a slightly different perspective. It's it's interesting. Even uh, all our experts all look at it a little differently.
1: Um. Again, bricks and mortar. If you don't have the bricks and mortar, you can't, you know, keep the house going because there's entropy. No matter what we do, we're losing energy over time. I was invited to uh, do a poster presentation at a SENS conference in Cambridge, England, UK. And most of the people there were dealing with it from the genetics perspective or dealing with environmental aspects and so on. And as a family physician, I know, I see aging. And you can see aging a lot in people who are under a lot of stress, physical stress, emotional stress, illness stress. Look at the presidents. Four years or eight years in the in presidency, look, look what happens to their aging. And they may well have access to resources that we don't even know that they have access to, but they still age. So one of the, one of the key tenets that I had at that conference is sense strategically engineered negligible senescence conference was that a huge part of aging and the the people there are completely ignoring this more or less completely ignoring it is death by a thousand cuts aging is death by a thousand cuts it's all the nicks and scratches and stresses and so on that we accumulate over time but we're we have entropy no matter what so i i jokingly tell people that um Between, say, 25 and, well, up to to age 25 approximately, we are are growing. Because we're doing more repair than we're doing breakdown. Right? So typically what we want, like this pen, we want it to be a flat line. Well, that doesn't happen. Maybe maybe occasional characters in history that could have happened. Maybe some yogis. But they're very special people yet, right, yogis? So what happens between 25 and 40, you want it to be that flat. Unless you're playing professional sports or you're a really aggressive athlete, you're doing, you know, top end stuff. Well, top end stuff, I don't know a single athlete who doesn't have injuries. They're all oriented to performance, but they're not t- talking about recovery. They don't like to talk about recovery. And yet those of us who work in the clinical world and we try to help improve performance, we see the problems with recovery. So recovery is causes the curve to be like this. So the more, the more recovery you have to do, the steeper that slope is going to be. And mo- for most of us, we're basically relatively flat between 25 and 40. At 40, we start to notice the, the curve starting to slip. Then again, depending on the lifestyle that you have and the risk factors you have, the genetics you have, your ability to repair, inflammation, autoimmune diseases, you name it. Now that curve starts to tip significantly. So PMF therapy applied on a daily basis, going back to the the idea that we have 5,000, 100,000 biochemical processes per second in every cell of our bodies. What do our bodies need to maintain 100,000 biochemical processes per second? It needs help. It needs energy. And what we're doing is when you have surgery, when you have an appendectomy, what does a surgeon do to help you to heal from it? Cross your fingers, All right? Okay, I cut you up. I cut it out. I cu- sewed you back together again. Go home and see you back in a couple of weeks. Cross your fingers. So what we're doing in medicine typically and generally in health, we are taking things for granted. So what does that do? It leaves things to chance. So what we're trying to do with longevity management, if you will, anti-aging, is to remove chance. And if you're giving the body extra energy every single day, you're reversing some of the things that are breaking down before they get to be irreversible. So I use a concept called the cell injury model. Doesn't matter what the the source of the injury is to the cell. There's a a process that cells go through during the injury uh, course, essentially. And every cell eventually crosses a line of no return, a line of irreversibility. And in medicine, what do we use to figure out whether you've got an irreversible injury in cells or tissues? Well, we look at it, we can see it, or we can feel it, or we can, we can see that you're not moving your arm right, um, right? Or you do biochemical testing, or you do microscopic evaluations, you do biopsies. This, these are how you find out that there's processes going on in the cell that are going to cause that, that, that body to be stressed, another stress on that body, which then increases a, a process of aging. Accelerates. So PMF therapy removes a lot of that 25 mechanisms. Very easily done, right? Safe. Uh, another example is I had a little child, three year old child, that cut off the end of her thumb in a door jam. Fortunately, the father called me before the surgeons had at it. And I heard about the fact that like, Bob, Bob Beck's um, uh, salamander studies, you have the ability to regenerate to a Point. So, a three-year-old has a strong ability to regenerate. So, we had them reattach it before they did anything else. And basically, the the reattached part becomes a bandage to the damaged tissue. Three an hour and a half to, to three hours a day of PMF therapy, portable battery-operated machine. Twelve weeks later, she's regrowing her thumb. Has re, is regrowing her nail.
0: Wow!
1: Completely regenerated. And that's, that's a low level, low intensity PEMF system, an hour to an hour and a half a day. Now, maybe a fifty year old or a seventy year old is going to have to take seven or eight hours a day or longer to be able to achieve similar results, if possible.
0: So, to to summarize then about longevity, the PEMFs add uh, energy to the system, which limits entropic repairs and senescence and, and this sort of thing in some. In some fashion, then. So, um, do you do you have patients that are using this for longevity now? Are there are there clinical regimens developed for this, or is this still experimental at this point?
1: No, it's not really experimental. So, what what drives most people to PMF therapy? Why they're willing to pay, put out the money for it? Because it's an investment. Most of the most effective PMF devices uh, are, are not inexpensive. You're not going to spend twenty five dollars. There are PMF devices that are throwaways that are twenty-five dollars, but they're very weak and they're not going to do much for you. There are lots of whole-body PMF systems being sold in the community that are that cost upwards of six thousand dollars, but they're very low intensity. And so the research doesn't shows that they don't work that well. I just read a paper actually, a study done in uh, I think it was Brazil, where they use a very low-intensity PMF system for MS. And they were doing about half an hour to an hour a day of treatment and found virtually no benefit. And yet we have have studies with devices like the TMS devices, higher intensity machines. um, And there are studies on MS with TMS devices that show significant benefits. So the intensity of the magnetic field is important because you have to generate enough charge in the body. And then you have to account for like dosing, like radiation dosing. When we're doing radiation, we have to dose the radiation based on the depth of the tissue. That you're dealing with. Well, magnetic field therapy has to be dosed like that as well. So we we know that we can produce a lot of changes in the body, and you just have to do it regularly. So the big problem that most people have is they don't do it regularly. They go in for a treatment and they think they're done. But you got to be doing probably the dosing I recommend, and ultimately it's going to be dependent on the person and their starting point. If you're 75 and you've got three organs failing, well, you've got a different starting point than you're 45 and very healthy and exercising reasonably and not being a, an over-the-top athlete, then you've got a, a better starting place and you may not need as much therapy. But if you have a health condition, you're gonna to have to treat that health condition. But if you're treating that health condition, you got a piece of equipment already. And if you got a piece of equipment already, now what's it gonna do for the rest of you? Never mind that the problem that you rode the horse in on, right? So magnetic field therapy is, ideally should be thought of as not only a problem solver, but also health maintenance in terms of anti-aging, anti-inflammation, and so on.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems like there there are many values there. Have there been studies where it's been used for for longevity, either in animals or humans, uh, specifically for longevity? And and what have those shown?
1: Um, Most of those studies have not been done for longevity. Most of those studies that, are, that have exposed, say, animals for hours a day, 24 hours a day even, uh, they, there are uh, animal studies like rats and mice and so on. There are studies in, um, in apes where they've exposed it for long periods of time. And those studies were done primarily to look for risk, for harm. They were not funded for value. They were funded for harm, to assess for harm. And what they found, essentially, is they, there was very almost no harm. So long-term studies, as you can imagine, it costs a lot of money to do these, especially when you're looking at an intervention and then you're doing measurements on a regular basis for a period of time. So most PMF studies rarely go beyond 4, 8, 12 weeks. Yeah. So if you do measures of anti-aging, if you do anti-aging testing, you can see changes in that testing. What does it do in the long run? Compliance is going to be a big issue for a lot of people. They just don't do it enough. And they don't do it over a long enough period of time because people are more motivated by pain, they're more motivated by health problems, than they are motivated by prevention. So we know, we could take it to the bank, that if you're doing PMF therapy on a regular basis, you're taking care of problems before they happen using the cell injury model.
0: Uh And what, what anti aging markers do they look at? Do they they've seen good results with anything yet with those?
1: I think probably the biggest ones I would say if you want to consider this an anti-aging mo- uh, mo- uh, molecular marker would be uh, just inflammatory cytokines, inflammatory changes in the body. So if you can if you can show reductions in CRP, for example, if you get a 50 50-year-old 50 person who comes into the office, they got a CRP of 3 their cholesterol may or may not be elevated, but their CRP is slightly elevated. Well, you can with PMF therapies, along with the nutrition, along with other things that you should be doing anyway.
0: You start to see
1: the CRPs coming down, and that's, so, that's
0: routine. Oh, okay. And so, so let's say if we if for our audience out there, if we had a let's say a sixty-year-old or seventy or seventy-five-year-old patient with with no no medical conditions and money was not an object, what would be the optimal or the ideal longevity protocol they should use uh, with, with uh, PEMFs? Like, uh, what would that right. look like? That's,
1: that's a really critical question because one of the most important aspects of aging, of course, is inflammation. There, there is no health condition that I, that I really know of that, that doesn't have some kind of inflammation attached to it. And of course, just being alive, you have a, inflammation. So you need a magnetic system that's going to be able to deal with that inflammation. And again, dosing becomes important. So if you, the ideal dose has been found for increasing, uh, for increasing, uh, fighting uh, inflammation is using the adenosine receptor. To stimulate the adenosine receptor optimally, you need 15 Gauss at the receptor site. And if you're doing 15 Gauss at the receptor site, like dosing and radiation, you have to calculate the dose that you need for that receptor for reducing inflammation. So therefore, you're going to need a magnetic therapy device typically of around 4,000 Gauss and, and even higher because there's almost no risk with the magnetic fields. They pass through. If your body doesn't need it, it, it ignores it essentially. So um, you got to get the right piece of equipment you got to use the right amount of time. I recommend typically a half hour twice a day with the right piece of equipment and not having to deal with other health issues that you try to cope with at the same time. So half an hour a day of a a device that's going to be at least 4,000 Gauss. The biggest problem that people make buying PMF PMF equipment, including clinicians, is they don't know what the Gauss of their equipment is. They don't know what the intensity level of that equipment is. The multi-level marketing companies never tell you. There are companies that sell a lot of machines to a lot of doctors for $35,000, and they won't tell you what the intensity is.
0: Hmm. Hmm.
1: So if you don't know the intensity of your equipment, you don't know what you bought. Well, they say, well, we get muscle contractions. Okay, that's, that's good. And it's probably going to be a fairly strong machine. But then you can't do that dose calculation that I mentioned to determine that you got the right dose. So fortunately, you're not going to waste, you're not wasting your money for the most part. But most people tend to underbuy. They tend to buy it based on cost. They don't tend to buy it based on effects.
0: We always like to ask our our experts uh, what they choose for themselves for longevity. Uh, do you use uh, Do you use that on yourself?
1: Every day. Um, so yes, I have a whole body anti aging system on my bed, but it's not strong enough. But it's it's one component, and then I do magnetic therapy under my pillow for sleep. It keeps me asleep all night long, and as we get older, we don't we don't sleep quite as well. Um, and also, I have a history of, a, of belly issues, diverticulitis, diverticulosis. Uh, I had a, an elective uh, partial colectomy, uh, colectomy. So I'm I'm treating magnetic field therapy every day to prevent any issues that may come up as a result of that. And those devices are between two hundred to thousand
0: uh, Gauss each. I see, and. And in in addition to the electromagnetic therapy, do you um, would you share any choices you've made as far as lifestyle that you do for uh, or supplements or uh, are you taking rapamycin or metformin or any of these?
1: Uh, No, I walk three hours a day with my wife every morning and I call that uh, marital therapy. So that's good for her and for me. And then I have a, a bunch of supplements. I eat more or less a Mediterranean style diet. Um, I do a little bit of fasting, but not that often. I should be doing more clearly. Uh, I maintain a very positive attitude. I'm hopeful and optimistic. Uh, and Those are extraordinarily important because obviously the, if you, the more weight you got on your emotionally and psychologically, that's another sort of stressor on the immune system, not to mention your spirit and so on. Um, so you have to do a combination of things. You can't build a house without bricks and mortar. You need supplements. And I do a boatload of supplements.
0: And uh, what different types? Any just in general?
1: Um, one of the two that I've added recently that really helps with aches and pains um, is uh, pectisol. And I'm doing about two grams a day of pectisol um, I'm also doing high-dose melatonin. And I was introduced to that by somebody who was talking about the, the latest knowledge about melatonin and how important it is in every cell of the body. It's the, it's the most, it's probably the oldest antioxidants in, in, uh, in biology. Even salamanders and lizards have make uh, a lot of melatonin. And every cell needs it because it's a free radical, free radical scavenger as well as an antioxidant. And if every cell has enough of that, then, you know, again, you maintain you maintain. You, ha- you help to fight against entropy. Right? But you've got to do it every single day.
0: Yeah, And then yeah. I do
1: vitamin D3. I do, again, uh, vitamin C, broad-spectrum um, uh, vitamins, um, microbiome management becomes important as well.
0: Yeah, there's so many things happening now in the longevity space. I ha- have to ask, what um, other than... What you're directly involved with in electromagnetic fields is, what are you most excited about that you've uh, read about in the longevity space or that you're familiar with?
1: Um, well, what I'm digging into right now, the, the latest sort of piece of uh, work that I'm working with with relative to magnetic fields, but it's not just magnetic fields, is the concept of uh, ischemia and reperfusion? And so what happens is that with a lot of chronic illnesses, including chronic fatigue syndrome, uh, ischemia, hypoxia, is variable throughout the body. We tend to think of hypoxia as being be being choked to death, and you don't, you you can't you, you don't deliver enough oxygen. But tissues with inflammation and with swelling, with edema, are hypoxic, and that could be the brain, it could be the, the thyroid, it could be the uh, pituitary, it could be the adrenals, it could be the gut. So if you have chronic inflammation in your gut, there's a good chance you have some hypoxia going on in your gut as well but that's layered into all that other problem. So if you can't improve the hypoxia, but you but ischemia reperfusion is a problem because if you flood the tissue all of a sudden that's ischemic or hypoxic with circulation, then you increase oxidative stress. So that's a consequence of doing that, but you have to do that. You have to climb the mountain to get to the other side. You're going to huff and puff, right? You're just going to have to deal with that to some extent. So that's the latest information that I'm getting is reperfusion.
0: Yeah, you, you have a, a wonderful website with a depth of information and a lot of videos and access that people can access to, and also uh, the podcast that you've, you've done over the last two years. Uh, perhaps you could share with uh, our listeners the best way for them to get in touch with you on social media or through your website and also the podcast.
1: Well, obviously, watching the podcast becomes important. As you said, the website, drpollock.com, has a huge amount of information. Um, I'm not interested in people who are curiosity seekers. If you haven't read my books, if you haven't read through my website, if you have curiosity, then email us, info at drpollock.com. But don't email for something that you haven't done your own work with. I don't want to be teaching you something that you could do on your own time. You should be using me as an expert resource for a problem that you can't solve yourself. So I do consultations with people. I have a team of uh, clinicians as well who are also doing consultations. So if you want a consultation about what's the best piece of equipment for you, I don't want to give you vitamin advice. I don't want to give you supplement advice. I do that, but I don't, that's not what I'm here for. That's why we're talking, not because I know about supplements or pectisol. Some there are other people who are more expert at pectisol and melatonin. So If you want consultations and you're serious about your health, you're serious and you're willing to make an investment, and I'm not talking about a $1,000 machine, the best machines like the 4,000 gauss machines that we're talking about are going to cost you $6,000, $7,000. That's an investment in your health, and you're going to get the best results. Uh, I, I sort of jokingly tell people at the end of my consultations is that the, now the biggest problem with magnetic field therapy, the biggest side effect at risk with magnetic field therapy is the urge to put on a cape.
0: <laughs> I said you can wear as
1: many cakes as you want, you can have as much urge as you want, just don't try to jump over a thing tall. <laughs> so one of the side effects of magnetic field therapy is the urge to put on a cape.
0: <laughs> that's that's beautiful. Well, Thank you so much Bill for spending an hour with us today and and helping us understand uh, electromagnetic therapy and some of the the fascinating possibilities for for longevity. Thanks again and and thanks so much for the work that you're doing. You're very
1: welcome. It's very enjoyable. It's always fun to have to help people get better.
0: Yeah. This is for general information and educational purposes only and it's not intended to constitute or substitute for medical advice or counseling the practice of medicine or the provision of health care or diagnosis or treatment or the creation of a phys- physician patient or clinical relationship the use of this information is at their own uh, own users risk if you find this to be on the value please hit that like button to subscribe to support the work that we do on this channel and we take the your suggestions and advice very seriously so please let us know what you'd like to see on this channel thanks for watching and we hope to see you next time